Hi, I'm Father Joseph Anthony Cress. And I'm Father Bonaventure Chapman. Welcome to God's Planning. Thank you to all those who support us. And if you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like, subscribe to God's Planning wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, Father Bonaventure, I, I would say welcome back, but it's it's always weird like to welcome back into the studio because we're always here in and out yeah. and doing things. But Although, I guess to our listeners, welcome back to us in that sense. I'm just thinking about this though. We're this is not a live recording, but it's close <laughs> no. to. Um, so, but we we are recording on Saint Anthony of Padua. That's right, uh, and that is one of your fe- your patron saints, it's, right? It's my uh, secondary patron. So secondary patron. big ups to Big Tony from Italy. Uh, actually, he's from Portugal. That was That's the fun right. thing. From he's, Lisbon, he's right? From Lisbon. I was just uh, flying through Lisbon's airport uh, a couple days ago. So, yeah. uh, yep. Okay. He's the he's the most famous uh, preacher of the Franciscan order. His he tongue is. is incorrupt. So yeah. I have a whole theory. I think Anthony Padua should be a Dominican because he was an Augustinian before he met the Franciscans, oh, and he? he's a very gifted preacher. Yeah. So with us as Dominicans living the rule of Saint Augustine and being an order of preachers. Yeah. I think, you know, the oh, brown wow. habits just got to him before the white habits yeah, did. Yeah, well, of course, I mean, he's, he's not, a lot of people know him. He's very familiar to people because of the patron saint for lost things. But, of course, this is he's a doctor of the church. Yeah. Uh, and he was the first Franciscan to teach theology. So actually, we have a letter from St. Francis mm-hmm. to St. Anthony of Padua letting him, telling him to, that it's okay if he teaches the friars. He wants him to teach yeah. the friars theology as long as he doesn't distract them from prayer uh, and devotion through the study, which is uh, still uh, good advice to anyone teaching theology totally. that doesn't get in the way of that. And yeah, his tongue um, was, of course, uh, found by uh, St. Bonaventure. Um, he pulled it out, and so I, ha- I actually have a, a sheet of uh, a 17th century manuscript that has the story of, of oh, cool. Bonaventure gra- grabbing the tongue, holding it up after he'd, they'd, they'd unearthed uh, St. Anthony. So, Dude, the he's medievals are crazy. Those are he is really, a great, yeah, yeah, he is great. Yeah. Have you, and have you been, have you visited his shrine? I haven't been. Okay. I've been through Padua on a train, yeah. uh, but I haven't sure. stopped in the city. Okay. You know, it's all good. Yeah. So, unfortunately, we're not talking about uh, preaching saints it's in true. today's episode. Yeah. Although I think we, you know, we might be able to do a future episode on that. That oh, might be worth to. content. Yeah. You know. But uh, we're going to move into something much more exciting, right? Hopelessness. Uh, yeah. And, uh, loss of trust and despair. But yeah, uh, we'll bring it around and and you know give some remedies and things like that in today's episode. But um, that's where we want to begin. And that's where I kind of want to begin is one of these things is that I think as a priest, uh, specifically as a Dominican, we, we try to keep our kind of finger on the pulse of society and kind of things that are happening here. Uh, and you could always make a claim for this at different points, but I think there's a certain rise um, in our current society, uh, call it post pandemic or whatever it is, but we're experiencing a lot of things of, um, you know, loneliness, but also it manifests itself in kind of a loss of hope. You see a lot of people that are uh, struggling with despair and a loss of hope in our society and um, how that has such um, ripples and knock-on effects throughout the entirety of their lives and relationships and things like that. So uh, when we talk about our experience of, you know, even maybe our own lives or those that we work with, with those that struggle with this, like, yeah. where do you see like the some of the patterns of the trends happening with uh, this kind of no. hopelessness or despair? It's true. You, I mean, just phenomenologically, you can see it in people's faces. It seems that people yeah. are, are yeah, less. True. They're just uh, just tired. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're uh, more anxious. It seems. And I wanted to ask you about your the college experience uh, because I think you see you you get a, a slice of 
of of the what the future will be here by seeing the college students yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a sense of meaninglessness, uh, nihilism, mm -hmm. um, and these are all big words. But I think they're trying to describe a phenomenon that the modern the modern life brings about, which is lacking in a kind of grounding meaning, grounding in the traditional norms we'd have. I'm not talking about traditional morality and this yeah, kind of stuff yeah, yeah. In, that, in that way, although it'd be great if we followed that. <laughs> but in a sense of, of giving meaning to one's life, I think people are kind of lost. Part of it's because uh, politics, in America at least, because and, and part of the, because of the pandemic, dominate everyone's life. And it's really hard in modern life, probably hard almost all times, but especially in modern life, not to be cynical involved in politics. Politics just breeds sure. cynicism yeah. in America, totally right. especially. Right now, yeah. And so the more political the the world seems to be, and if if the point of the world, of the, if the, let's say it this way, the governing of the world is by politics, uh, then how can you not be despairing or cynical unless you're on the very top of it? And most of us will never be on the top of politics. So I think there's this sense of cynicism, at least in my experience in, in Washington. Um, but you see this more pragmatically with perhaps college students, um, people who, to be honest, should not be cynical or hopeless or despairing at no. all, given yeah. that they're, look, they're going to college at UVA, one of the great colleges in America. Wahoo, they have, let's go. They have got all everything in front of open for them, their lives, they're going to oh. be successful. I mean, these are people who are in the top 1% of Easy. the entire world's Easy. population. And yeah, I suspect you see anxiety and despair and hopelessness there too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something that I want to, I want to throw something out there, but I want to come back to it. I want to talk about institutions mm -hmm. at, at a certain point, but I want to okay. come back to that. So I'm saying that just so that sure. um, you remind me. But when we see, especially in, in college life, you're right. Like we have college students that because of variety of reasons have been delayed in maturity. So maturation has been delayed to the um, undergraduate years. So they're really at the cusp of everything. They should be broad-eyed, bushy-tailed, just like ready to take the world yeah. by storm. Yeah. And you see that exhaustion. You see the just the the utter like you know what the cynicism. I'm done with this, and I've been pushed to my limits. It's like you were 20 years old. How is that happening? So I, I think we'll receive some of this, and you know we. I find that is kind of a common uh, thing within the episodes of our podcast and things that we we want to really kind of temper some of the digital engagements and things like that. You talk about kind of a, a, a watershed moment in the change of an epic. Well, that's truly what happens like post-internet. Like the internet, especially high-speed internet and all this with the digital revolution and what that has happened. What I see amongst our college students is the fact that they have no ability to be refreshed. Mm -hmm. They may refresh web pages all the time, but they themselves are never refreshed. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's all this constant, everything they do is live, documented, in, in, um, archived mm -hmm. in every moment. They, yeah. they can't have repose. Yeah. That's not a possibility. And so if you can't have repose or re refresh, then you get exhausted very quickly. And then you're like, yeah. this is only getting worse. And so my future, it looks very bleak because I can't handle right now. Yeah. And my future then has been decimated. And actually, I don't want to go to the future because I don't want to continue on this trajectory. And so now I'm very exhausted and I don't have that kind of vigor or fervor for life because I'm just done with it because everything has been documented and has been uh, live the entire time. And I've been, quote unquote, on kind of living a persona, kind of going through my life, trying to come of age, understand who I am. Um, oh man, I forget who it was. 
but they describe the undergraduate years in college like so beautifully. It's that struggle for the person to um, pursue both autonomy mm -hmm. and community mm -hmm. simultaneously. Yeah. And they have to do that under a microscope because it's all on social media. Yeah. And they have to, it's, it's just, it's exhausting. Well, and so they get to the point and they're like, I'm done with it. I think the social media environment is, is, is important. The, one, the personal exhaustion of always having to, to be on, be on cue and it just asks, it demands too much of someone uh, and runs into too many problems. And the other part though, of course, is that with social media, the world is brought right immediately to you. And news or anything of interest is usually despairing sort of thing. Bad <laughs> yeah, stories, true. sad stories, right? Very <laughs> few people uh, watch stories explicitly about, you know, cats riding unicorns. You know, I have not yet seen a cat riding a unicorn uh, uh, yet. news story yet. yet. But maybe someone will put one in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> in general, it's just kind of stories of... of of failure and intrigue or scandal and this. And, totally, yeah. and of course we could say, Oh, it's not really affecting us, but the messages that are coming in there, they are, they're affecting us. And that the, these, the sort of institutional framework you could say is driving us to look for failures to, yeah. to be scared of yeah. that kind of thing. And I think you, you bring us up and that gets to my institutional, point. institutional yep. point. Um, I think because there's this constant deluge of informational, Failures, right? It, it, all the information, it's information overload. We can talk about that all whole thing another another time. But because of this, like overwhelmed information about failures, then everybody has lost trust. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that we're seeing right now yeah. is there's a total breach of trust in institutions. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. and people no longer trust institutions yeah. from. You know things that were important uh, in our age growing up, like the Enron failures, mm -hmm. and that, and including the breach of trust of the Catholic Church with the abuse scandals. Yeah. Like there's this lack of breach breach of trust through institutions. Yeah, newspapers, now, governments. Newspapers, you know, you have this suspicion about what's the legitimate research or what is news. Total lack of trust in governments now. You know, yeah. things of like, okay, uh, approval ratings from presidents are, have been horribly low and it just seems, remain yeah. horribly low. Nobody, gives a, nobody trusts any yep. institution, including government, including our higher, our church. Yeah. So when you have that lack of trust then in basically of society and yet you have this resignation of like, I don't trust any of these institutions that run my society, but yet they, they still have authority over, you know, my fan, the economy, my, my current state and my church. I don't trust anybody. Then you get this kind of paranoia mm -hmm. and you're like, well, I don't, I don't want to deal with any of this. So then you retreat back into this despair yeah. and you retreat back into this helplessness. Well, I think because, and trust is so important. You bring up that we, we need to live on trust. Yeah. We have to have yeah. it in our life. We have to have a sense that, um, that something there is going to catch us, that there's, that we have a, a, a hope, we have a, a future, we have something bigger than us that we're playing a part in. Otherwise, if we don't trust anything outside of ourselves, we don't have the ability to trust anything out there. And it's just up to us. And for most of us, we realize that actually we're not up to the task to, to save the world or to make it a safe place or to do well or to succeed or to live in the... We we've all made mistakes. We've all we've totally. all we've all failed in certain things. And if we don't have a, a network or a sense that we're actually we have a support structure or something that protects us from our own failures and those around us, then it's just total autonomy with with nothing else. Yep. And this and that is you can imagine without yeah when trust dies 
then despair immediately sets in yeah. and hopelessness. That's and right. That's the other thing is like this inability to fail. You know, you have to be perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. And if you do make a failure, it's going to be blown out of proportion, not blown out of proportion, but it's going to be broadcast everywhere. Yeah. And there's no way to recover. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I've, I've heard that even from students. Well, yeah, there's no, forgi- it, there's no forgiveness there's and no, no mercy forgi- in this yeah. society. And you know what? Yeah. We're going to dig up everybody's history and just broadcast it and, you know, cancel everybody. There's no way to recover from that. And, and that, that's also a, a terrifying threat mm-hmm. that is constantly implicit in almost every action. Yeah. And um, that, once again, gets to this exhaustion, this kind of exhaustion of the person mm-hmm. saying, I don't want to exist in this. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, and so it's, this is like such a, just like, you know, life-giving conversation. <laughs> like we're like, like such a beautiful point. Yeah. All of that being said, these are the structure, like this is the reality we live in, but there is a remedy. You know, and and we we do see a path forward in this. I think both of us share that path forward. Um, And for us, I think it's built upon trust. You know, the great message from our Lord Jesus to St. Faustina, you see it at the bottom of the Divine Mercy image, uh, right there, there she's there, Uh, Jesus is there. I know we got somewhere else, there's a diary. We're big fans of St. Faustina here on God's Planning. But is Jesus, I trust in you. Is, is that trust in Jesus. So we, we see trust as that, but specifically mm-hmm. is the growth in the virtue of hope. Yeah, that's right. And so as we look towards the future, right, we can talk about the virtue of hope and, and how we can grow in that. So one of the big things to understand with the virtue of hope is about, it's about a future arduous good, mm-hmm. you know, and ultimately that's God himself that we are attaining to. That's, that's the end of the virtue of, of hope. But it's about a future arduous good. You know, goods in the past we can remember, goods in the present we can enjoy, but a good in the future is that which we can hope for. So it's about tending towards these future, albeit difficult, goods. And that is how we start to counteract this very like huge behemoth of a monster that we are living with right now with the great despair, exhaustion, and all of that. So when we look at how encouraging each other to hope, you know, how do we do this? And, and why is it, yeah. why is hope so important to counteract the kind of poison that we're seeing here? You know, I have to think that hope is the kind of the, the shadow partner, the weakest link of the theological virtues, <laughs> because there's seven, the seven virtues, you know, you have temperance, fortitude, uh, prudence and justice, of course, covering cardinal. the cardinal virtues, yeah, yeah, natural yeah. virtues, and the theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity. Um, and, and in a sense, faith is the one. So faith is the the virtue of the intellect. No yeah. God is revealed, um, and that's the one. As God, if we're if you're listening to Dominican podcast, you like this is the this is our virtue, this virtue of faith yeah, is our key one. Franciscan side of things talks about the virtue of, of charity, charity, so uh-huh. love, this sort of thing. Yep. So the virtue of of faith is the intellectual intellectual grasp of the supernatural truth through the light of faith. Um, so it's the practicing of that as a faith in faith in this sort of way. Whereas charity is the is loving God above all things. Right. Um, but I think sometimes we. Because we like binaries, um, at least uh, generally, um, we go from faith to charity, and, and you skip the the aspect of hope. So I think I always think hope gets a short shrift, which is a shame because in some ways, um, faith uh, hope is the one that we need to practice the most now. The act, the virtue, uh, the virtue of the will um, that that grasps the good for you in light of God, mm-hmm. in light of God. So this arduous, so hope as hope as a passion. Right, is yeah. when we talk about the passions, love, hope, 
joy in receiving the good. Hope is the is the aiming towards the that arduous good and and the, and the good in the future. Joy is the reception of it, and love is your basic drive for it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But then, as in as a virtue, we take that up into our rational soul, and we treat that, and that's what the hope is in the future. And it's we won't get to the. Well, unless you go straight from love to joy, or you go straight from faith to charity in God, you need this thing in between, which is which is hope, which is this grasp of, well, I, it's it's not God has revealed. What is the good that you're grasping? Yeah, and I, I think um, the two things that I see in that sense, you don't always talk about binary. My response is always, I have two things. Um, Father Gregory Lagrange talks about the virtue of hope, and he has this beautiful definition is that he says, hope isn't like Christianity's version of optimism. And it's like, that's so important because I think that's, that's how our society sees. Like I'm a hopeful person. Subjective driven kind of thing. Like I'm picking myself up my my bootstraps for no reason. I just hope it works out. There's there's always a silver line. I hope it works. Yeah. It's kind of aspiration. That's exactly it. It's like, I'm a hopeful person. Like I can always find the good in something and nothing's going to get me down and all that kind of stuff. But he says, it's not, it's not Christianity's version of optimism. Mm -hmm. But it's a confidence that God's will taking place in my life, yeah. you know. And so there's this encounter with God in the present moment that pushes us into the future. That's saying like, okay, yeah, and you know, this is not uh, against God's will. This is not destructive to me in the sense. So that allows me to tend towards the future, tend to the future arduous good, which is God Himself moving into that. But as we talked about, like, okay, how? What is this encounter with mm-hmm. God then? So with faith, we're encountering God as he's revealed himself, right? It's the ascent of the intellect, the heart and mind to God as revealed. But with hope, we're encountering God as promised. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really yeah. important. Revealed versus promised. That's exactly. really good. Mm-hmm. And so we can say like, okay, yeah, we know we know who God is because of how he's revealed. And through that knowledge of who God is, we understand who we are. But then in this light, tending into the future, then I encounter God through the virtue of hope in to counteract all this other poison that we just earlier discussed is God as promised. And so then that, that starts to bring up all these issues, right? The breach of trust, the aspects of despair and all of this. So it's like, Oh, well, there's a, a God who promises himself to us. And then that gives me the ability to mo- move into this future and to not uh, be destroyed by all of that, that is behind us. So I think when we encourage people to live a life of hope, you know, we see the struggles, we see the pain, the suffering, despair that this current society is really just like um, almost kind of besieging us with. Mm-hmm. And I turn to a person and I sit down with a student in my office. I'm like, hey, you need to be more hopeful. You need to yeah. grow in hope. And they're like, what are you yeah. talking about? The thing that I always point them back to, and this is where we're uh, kind of the main point of our episode today is going to be. I always tell them to go back to scripture mm-hmm. and to find God as promised. Yeah. So what are those promises that the Lord makes to us? Because yeah. he makes them in his divinity and so they're eternal and he is faithful. He can't go back on those. He's not gonna break those promises. Yes. And so what are these promises? And so to become very familiar with God as he has promised himself is our growth and hope because we can always be remind ourselves, no, this is the truth. This is the reality. 
that Jesus said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Yes. And then I'm going to come back and bring you to myself. Yeah. No, this is, this, this is important. And I ties into that difference between optimism as the subjective reaching out. Yeah. I'm just going to project my own wishful thinking. And there's nothing wrong with being an optimist. Um, but that th this will not make it's if it's based entirely on you, then there's no reason to actually believe that it will come true. You just right. want it to. It's wish, wishful thinking, which is good. It's good to be optimistic about things at some point, as long as not going against realism, I suspect. But rather, you want something with, with hope. It's the other way. It's not, from, it's not from you. Optimism is like from you to the future. Mm -hmm. Whereas hope, it strikes me, is like something from the future is anchoring in you. This is, I remember when I was teaching in Providence College, Rhode Island's motto is hope. Oh, um, hey. And its, and its awesome. symbol is the anchor. Yes. Um, and I, I've always related those two, that hope is like the anchor being dropped from the future into the current, the miry muck of the bottom of this of this lake to hold something fast, mm -hmm. right? So that hope is, we see this anchor given to us, and it's something sure, and it's heavy, it's sturdy, it's locked in, right? And we don't, we're, we're, we're in place, we're in place. And... In that way, what is it tethered to? What's the anchor tethered to? In this way, it's 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 in a sense tethered to the scriptures, these real promises from the from from the Lord of the future, and we know that He's going to fulfill these things, um, or at least we know that uh, we have we know that He's going to He can't not fulfill them, um, because God doesn't make promises to to us in the way that we make promises to other people. One, He's not fallible; He's not willing to go back on these things, and two, you can't lose the promises from him because he makes promises to himself. He has no need for making promises. He's not making a promise that's conditional upon these things, some of these promises, right? He yeah. does He does make conditional um, claims on things. If you do this, then you'll be blessed, this sort of stuff. He didn't say that, of course. But the promises we're talking about are promises that he makes to us. He sends out an anchor and locks in and says, you can follow this line uh, from, from there. And there's specific, specific claims. Now, it's not like there's you know, promise 72, but it is a different way when you're needing, when you're in need of hope and your despair, going to the scriptures and reading with an eye, with an ear open, an eye open to when Christ promises something, yeah. because he's, we make promises, oh, I'll see you this, or I'll do this sort of thing. And there are two mm -hmm. flippant sometimes, or at least they totally. can be, yes, especially in the modern life when we've got so many options. But Christ isn't flippant. No. You know, he's he's making, when he says something, you can bank on it. You can hold that rope and say, mm -hmm. I, you're going to have to pull this in at some point. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's when, when Christ is speaking in these ways, I, and I, I love that encouragement because it's the same thing I, I tell people. It's like, okay, let's go back and read the scriptures, but I want you to read them through this lens of promise. Promises made. Mm -hmm. You're not just like pious platitudes not just like warm little fuzzy blankets. Like these are real promises yeah. that the Lord's making to his disciples and to us. Yeah, know? and not just in percentage reading it for the faith and sense of knowing about him, things yes. about him revealed, but rather mm -hmm. knowing knowing him, which obviously end terms and in, in, it turns out it terminates in charity. Yeah. But in between, it's in a sense like the anchor sent on faith and then the hope is it pulling itself in and then you get, and then charity is the union back back on on board with him, you could say, if you're following the anchor in the bottom. So I think that's, that's yeah, yeah. And, and then this is so important. So then you go back and read those things and you're starting to have that eye, have that lens and you realize like, oh, this is actual. He does promise things. He's promised himself to me mm -hmm. and he's promised a future for me that he's going to accomplish because yeah. like you said, he's not going to go back on his promises once he's uttered that. He can't. Yeah, right. He can't. He can't. Yeah. No, 
Yeah. Um, we, we could be unfaithful to those things, but he's not going to be unfaithful to the promises he makes. Yeah. So that then enlivens our hope that then allows us to say like, okay, well, I can actually lean into this future. I can, I can move forward in this sense. And maybe, yeah, my, my circumstances are not really conducive to, to hope, to hope. Or, or not conducive to optimism. Yes. Maybe that's okay, the right that, thing. They're not yeah, conducive to optimism, yeah, yeah. but every situation is oh, conducive yeah. to hope that's because it. of him. Yeah. yeah. That seems I, right. I think that's so, that's such a beautiful way to put it. Cause it's, it's so important to say like, this is a divine promise that he's it offered is. and it, it is actually still active in my life because my faith, hope and love is rooted in God. And that is this kind of interior freedom that I'm given. So even though my circumstances of life are rapidly changing and maybe kind of rapidly devolving, yeah. That doesn't change the the uh, eternal promises that I've received, yeah. and the fact that through my baptism I've been given these gifts of faith, hope, and love that continually grow no matter what my circumstances are. Yeah. So then, let me be reminded of this, and how I'm reminded is I go back to the scriptures and start reading and saying, "What are the promises? What are you saying to me, Lord?" And this is what I love so much is that those promises, even though they've been uttered once and there was a specific time that they were uttered, they are also perpetual. So they're still real. They're yeah. still at this moment. That's right. Until they're fulfilled. And the promises, of course, about the future. As you say, I'll, I'll, I'll be with you today and forever. I'll, I'm, going to, I'm going to a place of so John's gospel is a great place to find yeah, the promises. Yeah. I'm going to put, yeah. prepare a place for you. Um, of course, the promises in Matthew about, you know, I've care, I care for sparrows. How much more mm -hmm. I care for you? Yeah. These sort of things. Now, these are Christ promises. And of course, the... The Old Testament has plenty of these promises yeah. to look at that are still, he still is, look, every, I don't know if people know this, but it's the same God. Um, <laughs> so it's God of the Old Testament, the same God of the New Testament. Here we go. And so the promises that he makes to his people, Israel, um, because of how, and St. Paul is helpful with this, because of how we are taken, grafted into that people, Israel, then those promises are our promises too. Although it's easier, it's easier to see the direct promises of Christ in these things. But of course, in the book of Revelation is a book of promises yeah. and it promises, it actually promises blessings for you to read it. Um, so there are promises in there, but I like the, the focusing on those promises, especially because as you say, there are times where optimism just won't work because, and there are times where you think, well, if you conflate that with hope, hope isn't good here because things are not going well. Right. And the promises remind going back and seeing them there and asking yourself, do I believe in him? And if I believe in him, through faith, which we do, therefore the hope follows follows from it. I need not go. I believe in him and who he is, but I don't know whether he's going to fulfill his promises. That's it's it's like I I I have a three I have a three sided triangle here, but I'm not sure it has 180 degree interior angles. <laughs> yeah. No, if you've got a three sided triangle on Euclidean space, you can bank <laughs> on it having 180 degrees before you measure it. It's just committed. Yeah. I, 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 of course, you're going to bring math in, into this. Like, why am I not surprised? Yeah, when, yeah. whenever got necessary, when you've got, ne when you've got necessary claims, uh, your mathematics it, is the best way to see necessary it, claims that fall entail from yeah, each other. If it's so well, the last, the last kind of um, encouragement I think I'll, I'll give with this is we talked about these promises of the Lord and how we can see them in the New Testament and the Gospels. We can see them in uh, the Old Testament, right? And those are still valid and active promises. Um, in this way, as you're saying that, the the thing that always comes back to mind is the line from Scripture: "Is you know, we have we have heard the stories of our fathers. We have told the the stories of our fathers. That's why I, I also encourage us to begin to share 
kind of the graces that the Lord provides for us. It's not a competition. This Christian life in the unity of the body of Christ, this mystical body of Christ is not competitive, right? Now we're all different ones. Like, you know, some are a hand or an ear, you know, smelly armpits, you know, that even the body of Christ has smelly armpits, right? So, but we should be able to share the glories of the Lord and share his fulfillment of those promises in our life. Just as we would read the stories of our fathers, and it's so important to the Israelites to tell the stories of the fathers, to tell how God was faithful to them throughout their generations, how he led them out of Egypt, led them through the desert, gave them the promised land, defended them, gave them kings to continually guide and, and foster life. And all like those were stories that were handed on to the generations. And that's important because those are stories of real people and how God was faithful to those real individuals. But so too with us. Yeah, that's and right. So to share the fact that, yep. hey, this is a fulfillment of the Lord's promise in my life. You know, this is something that, um, you know, was I was struggling with, and the Lord drew me into freedom, or He He provided this answer to my prayer, this miracle, or things like that. We should be actively sharing that with each other as a yeah, way to, to engender and encourage yeah. hope in yeah, each yeah. other as well. Yeah, it's also I think important in in prayer where you where can you find these things? So you find you find the promises of the Lord by looking at scripture, but you find his some of his fulfillment in your own lives through prayer because it's a time to conversation with him. And oftentimes oftentimes prayer um I don't know if we've done an episode on prayer. I'm sure we must have done an episode on prayer. Yeah. But there's so many different <laughs> ways of praying this and oftentimes prayer can become asking for things totally. for the need of things because we need, we need to have hope and we have hope in asking and all this and we're okay confident but prayer is also a time for for listening and meditating and not just listening for him to say something specific in this way but also to go through your life and to reflect on how these promises have met you how he has met you in these promises so before even telling those promises and encouraging other people is a chance to to be with the lord and ask him uh, where have where have I seen you? Where have you fulfilled these things? And to remind ourselves to say, actually, yeah, he promised that he would be here, and I, I really feel like he was there. Yeah. That was a, I mean, I feel like his he is he is there. So that when we're in the more the d- difficult times, we're still able to say, well, not just did he f- help those people in Israel, or did he help people in New Testament, or the people that I've talked to, but actually, I have a story of fulfilled promises. I've got more to go. There's more things. To, there's more things I'm, I'm hopeful for, right. especially eternal life. But even now, I've had these. I've had the experiences of having him fulfill his promises that he's made to me. And I've, I've had a student who writes down those things. Like when he has those moments of like fulfillment, he has like a fulfillment journal, sure. and he goes back. And so then, when he hits the kind of moments of desolation or whatever, he goes yeah. back to that and says, "I remember yeah. the Lord did fulfill this." Like in my point right now, I can't remember a thing. Yeah. What good has the Lord? Like, I, he, where is he now? And I can't just like, you go back to that. It's like, oh, he, the, here we are again. So I think that can be helpful too. So, all right. Well, thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to listening to this episode of God's Planning. Uh, we ask you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the social medias that we struggle with in earlier uh, in this episode. But uh, we also ask you to like, subscribe, leave us five-star review um, wherever you listen to your podcast. If you'd like to donate uh, to the podcast through Patreon, please follow the link in the description below. 
You can also follow that link in the description or the show notes to shop any of our God's Planning merchandise and to get information on our upcoming God's Planning events. Speaking of upcoming events, uh, we have um, our men's retreat coming up in August that we want to invite you to in Brevard, North Carolina. Um, so that's coming up in August and, and see our website for that. But this is also going to be our first announcement of our young adult retreat. Our young adult retreat will be taking place in Malvern, Pennsylvania um, in later this fall in November. And once again, we will have the opportunity to gather together um, to um, what was the topic? It's uh, going to be dealing with Catholic faith and kind of relativism. relativism. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So join together uh, as young adults to engage with um, this kind of. Uh, struggle with our relativistic world, but also leaning into and, and letting our faith and led by Jesus Christ kind of pierce that and be the guide and seeing how we can navigate through that. So once again, that is our young adult retreat that will be taking place in Malvern, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia. And then um, that will be taking place in November. So please see the website for those details and any other information, but we invite you to join us for that. As always, thank you so much for listening. Just uh, know that we are praying for you, our listeners, and we ask you to keep us in, our, in your prayers as well. God bless.